I came in and I said, I've got a team that I believe in. I've got a path that I believe in. And I've got a company that I believe in. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Nils Spinya, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Siobhan Alexander. Siobhan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nils. All right, Siobhan, well, I'm excited to dig into all things leadership, but first, would you share with me and our audience the role that you're in today and the company that you're working for? I am the Director of Customer Success at Catalyst. We're customer success platform software, so my role is to build out a customer success team for customer success teams on a customer success platform. So a little bit of inception there, but it's a really rewarding experience to get to working with other CS leaders and really understanding what this industry is turning into. And I think, honestly, you and members of other CS platform providers out there have one of the hardest jobs in the industry, period, because you're kind of held to a higher standard, right? You have a platform that is designed to support customer success teams. So therefore, you should be, quote unquote, the experts on it. And you have great content and uh, thought leadership around these things. So I'm curious, you know, is that a fair statement from the just observation from the outside? Is it put more pressure on you to do things in a, you know, very specific and an efficient way internally so you can tell the story to customers? How do you guys think about being the leaders, not only from a content perspective, but actual from a practice perspective? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I, I absolutely agree. There is a lot more pressure associated with it, but I think it's an exciting pressure. Our mission statement here at Catalyst is to deliver the gold standard of customer success to our customers. Uh, So we're always looking at every process we're building out, everything that we are implementing is around how is this going to come across for our customers? Is this something that's going to inspire them and allow them to take things away from it? But we're also very heavily feedback-based culture because we know we're in this position of CS for CS, and there are leaders that we work with across our customers throughout the community um, that have so much to teach us as well. So it's this fine balance of sharing out the best practices that we've gathered, that we've learned from others, and always staying open to there's room for improvement. There's so much in this industry that's changing and growing every day, and finding that balance and maintaining a level of fun alongside that pressure um, has been key for us to to really make this happen. That's a fascinating look on the inside of what it's like. And, you know, the gold standard, I mean, that kind of says it all right there. So a lot of pressure, but you guys are rising to the occasion. I love it. That's absolutely fantastic. Okay. So let's rewind the clock a little bit. And would you share with us how you got into your very first people leadership position? 
It was an interesting intro. I actually entered my first leadership job when I was in college. I had been working at American Eagle in the retail industry for years. A friend of mine took me over to Fossil. They used to sell clothing back in the day, and I was in the little store on Newberry Street in my very first management role. We opened a brand new store. We were hiring people literally off the street, recruiting them in, having them fill out paperwork. We built the store up, and then I was in there managing a team of about 25, and it was an exciting experience. I learned a lot from there, especially on the operations side of things and the customer service side of things and how you train people into a customer service role. It was a it was a very interesting experience and something I did for about five years on and off. Wow. Okay. That's kind of crazy. So in college, you're hiring people off the street and you said that you learned a lot on the operation side. Share with us like what you learned and maybe there will be some connections we can draw to kind of some of the operations that you run inside of your org today. Yeah. So for us, it was all about making sure we had the right people and balance on the schedules. In Boston, it's a super heavy college town and you never know when somebody is going to just not show up or show up in a condition where they are not welcome on the floor. So it was always about making sure that we had the right balance of coverage, the right balance of people, that we were staying within our payroll for the week. So we had strict payroll numbers that we had to reach depending on how much we were selling. So that was one of my first looks at how that worked in a business. Um, we met weekly with other leadership teams across the business to talk about how our stores were doing, how could we improve, how can we do more with less, and really kind of extending out and talking about how do we get the right merchandise into our customers' hands. And it was also always about how are we continuing to train out our our sales reps, our, our people on the floor to really go in and create that customer experience where they weren't getting a commission, but we were known at Fossil as being fully centered on creating a radical customer experience for everyone that walked in the door. Wow. Okay. So you've got these people you're hiring off the street, you're learning from other Fossil stores and other leadership throughout the company, and nobody's paid on commission. So tell us a little bit about how you went about you know, fostering an environment where you want to provide this incredible customer experience with people who, you know, either didn't come from retail, didn't have, maybe didn't even have much interest, needed a job, you know, it wasn't exactly a calling at that point when they were just getting started. So how did you foster that kind of an environment with a team of 20? Yeah. So I think it was really about building the relationships. So we started at the very beginning as we were recruiting people off the street, we looked for people that were very easy to talk to. They were engaging. They had that charisma factor that just drew you in. Once we found that and like we could see that diamond sometimes in the rough, we would bring them into the store and the the entire environment was very collaborative. It was a lot of fun. We made sure to like take lunch breaks and get to know each other off of the off of the sales floor and we would do competitions and lots of fun things to just really foster that group experience. And I think what we found by doing that and focusing on the relationship was that people were more excited to meet those numbers. They were more excited to come into work. For them, it was an escape from everything that they were doing in school, all of the homework that they had to do. And they were really excited to come in and be a part of it. 
Wow. That's really powerful and, and speaks volumes to just what can happen when you invest in relationships with people, when you have a shared uh, bond and against a shared mission of creating an incredible customer experience. And they wanted the escape. They actually wanted to be there. And who cares if they got paid commission or not? Like they wanted to be part of that. That's really fantastic. Hmm. All right. So that was the first leadership experience and managing a team of 20 is no small feat. So then let's tell us how did you get into the tech and the B2B world post several years at Fossil? Yeah. So it was another interesting journey. I was actually a Russian language and literature major back in college. And so I left Fossil and said, I'm going to go teach English in Russia. I moved out there for about six months. And when I moved back, I knew that I didn't want to teach. I knew that Retail probably wasn't for the rest of my life as much as I enjoyed the experience. And so I started looking around and I actually kind of fell headfirst into a renewals role at a small startup company called Bullhorn in Boston. From there, I kind of worked my way up from renewals into account management. And then I found the field of customer success while I was at Fuse. That's also when I met one of my closest friends and mentors. Um, She was part of our team there at Fuse. We learned the customer success world together. I then left to go get a master's degree in international business to really understand from a a business perspective, a lot of the things that I had started putting together, I wanted to see a holistic experience. So I went out of the country again. I came back and my friend and mentor, she had found a job at a, as a director of customer success at a very tiny startup that was an HR recruiting software. She brought me in, gave me a lead position. So I was kind of moving into that. Then we moved over into a cybersecurity company in Boston um, that was growing quickly. That was where we really set the foundations for and started building out a lot of process. I was getting my taste of what it means to, to build, to think operationally, to think about the business and where it was headed and how do we get there together. I was one of the first people to approach what does our on the ground customer success experience look like. During my time there, she promoted me into a manager of partner success role. So I had my team. We were building out a brand new function within the business. It was a really exciting chance for me to to try some things on my own. But a few months later, I was actually approached by another company who offered me a manager position at, at their company. And I think it was one of those moments where my mentor said, go you have to see if you can do it yourself. And I was ready to step out from under her wings. So it was a really great journey through. Oh, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. I'm going to come back to that, but first I got to come back to the teaching for six months in Russia. One, super cool and just fascinating on the experience side, but how did you end up going down that path to begin with? Was it something you always, I know you were a Russian, um, you know, literature major in, in school, but Teaching in Russia, was it something you always wanted to do, a place you wanted to visit? What's the backstory there? Yeah, so I'd always wanted to visit, and I felt like kind of a fraud for having studied Russian language and literature and never having been there. So as I started looking at opportunities, I'd always been in a teaching capacity throughout my college career. I was a mentor. I was helping with uh, preschool children. So I spent a lot of time teaching. I knew that I enjoyed it. And so when the two things kind of collided, I was literally playing around on the internet, sitting in my tiny, tiny room in Boston at the time and came across a job opening for 
an internship to teach in Moscow. And so I went, I got on a plane. I had no idea who was picking me up on the other side or where I was going to live. And I just hoped um, that everything was going to be great. <laughs> and was everything great when you arrived in Moscow, not knowing anybody or who, what was going to be on the receiving end? It was both amazing and terrifying. My grasp of the language was not as good as I thought it was. I learned very quickly. But yeah, I spent the first two days, it was before we had like iPhones really. And so I spent the first couple of days wandering around my neighborhood trying to find food or a bank and kind of asking my way around. Couldn't find it. Finally made it to a metro. Couldn't figure out the conversion rates. It was a wild experience, but one I would do over and over again. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So... You're sitting there in your apartment, you see an opportunity to for an internship to jump on a plane and go to Russia and teach English there, knowing, you know, some language. And, you know, it was a very rewarding and terrifying experience at the same time. I'm curious about the the moment you made the decision. What was it that got you over the hump? I'm sure there was plenty of fear, right, about is this is this a legit opportunity? What is going to happen when I get there? You know, the world's in a state of whatever disarray. We don't know what's going on in other countries. So what was it that got you over the fear hump to say, you know what, this is the, I just got to throw my hat in. I just got to go do this and, and just jump on a plane. I think for me, it's always been like seeking that sense of adventure. I'm always looking for ways to just see more of the world and get more experiences. And I think that's been a lot of my career has been spent learning. And so for me, this was another opportunity to both go look at, do I want to be a teacher? How would this work? Do I love this country? And do I know myself enough to really be able to understand what it is I want to be doing for the rest of my life? So as scary as it was, it's also very much a pattern throughout my life of, hey, there's an opportunity. Let's go grab it and see what happens. That's wonderful. And I think that's a great piece of leadership advice is that you know, oftentimes, no matter what the situation is or where you are, you just don't know what's on the other side, right? Whether it's taking a new role, maybe joining a new company, putting your hand up and saying, I want to go do lead this project, whatever, you just don't know. But taking that leap of faith, I love how you said you have a sense of adventure and there's adventure in travel in the world. And there's also adventure in leadership too. Is that fair? Very much so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Okay. So when you came back and you got your master's in international business and you said you left the country again, did you go, you went abroad to go through that program? Is that right? Exactly. So I was at a Russian university in Moscow. I was the only American in the program. I really wanted to learn about business from a perspective that was not American. I'd seen how it worked here. I'd been in businesses here and I was looking for a different perspective on things. And I think for me, it provided like that flexibility and that understanding that there's always another side. And so I spent two years there um, studying everything from marketing to finance to accounting. I learned how to balance the spreadsheet. It was a lot, but I loved being back in that learning environment and really understanding what it meant when people were asking me for all of these different things and to think about the impact that any process we made had on how we were going to go in the future. Wow. All right. So there's there's getting different perspectives and then there's going to a whole different country like Russia and really getting a different perspective on what the rest of the world looks like. That's absolutely amazing. My hat goes off to you for going through that experience and, and seeing that from just a completely different, you know, culture. Every country has a different culture, but a completely different culture to one in the Western U.S. And we're kind of seeing some of that play out in the world right now, which is fascinating. 
nonetheless. But we won't go down that path. So much more we could talk about there. But I want to talk about the transition into into the B2B in the SaaS world. And this individual who you were hooked up with and had worked for, for I think it was about five years, right? When you were in various roles working for her and with her at these various companies. And then there came a point in time where you had an opportunity to go branch out and do something on your own, out from under her wing in a different place. And I'm curious if we could take us through kind of the thought process of what that was like, because you had had some great success, had wonderful positions, great responsibility, good you know outcomes and everything. And then you said, it's time for me to go. What was going on at that point in time? Yeah, so I think it was one of those turning points. It was very, it was a very difficult decision. But she and I had such a transparent relationship. We were both very aware of what she wanted to do, what I wanted to do, both very motivated, both very driven. And I think that's why we connected as friends along the way. And she knew that what I was looking for wasn't necessarily going to come from this role and that there was only so much that she could teach me given her level of experience and where she was at the time. And so her advice to me was go try it on your own. You can't work under me forever. I made the jump, um, but she's still my go-to person for anytime anything comes up. She's the first one I call um, and go to for advice throughout life and the business world. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, how incredible it is to have a relationship like that. And the fact that you got to work with her and for her for several years, you know, as you transitioned into that world and as you, you know, gained your experience and then were able to go on and be successful on your own. That's really just an incredible relationship. That's awesome. Let's talk about how you got into your current role today, because you told me a little bit about this before we were got started recording. And you were actually a customer of Catalyst. Is that right? I was. I was a director of customer success at a hypergrowth cloud security company called Lacework. I went in to build out the customer success function from scratch. There was no CSMs. Um, they had basically a blank slate and said, we want you to come in and imagine what this could be. It was a lot to take on, but again, it was kind of that same that same feeling that took me from the US to Russia the first time was that same feeling of yes, let's go start from scratch. Let's see if all the things I've put together and everything I've learned can really come together into a real program. And so we grew very quickly. The company is truly in hyper growth. And we went from zero to 10 CSMs in less than a year. So I had 10 direct reports. We were building process. We were trying to segment customers. We were working across technical account teams and throughout the rest of the business. And two months into that role, as I was kind of getting my my feet settled, my boss left, the one that I had come over specifically for and was really excited to work with. Let's pause there for a second, because this, this happens frequently. And as much as we would love for it not to happen, I've heard countless stories of this and had it happen myself as well. So you went to work for this organization in part because of this leader that you were going to work for, yeah. correct? Exactly. Okay. And then within two months of joining, this person said, sorry, I got to go, go into another opportunity. And that was it. Yeah. Wow. That okay. is exactly how it happened. <laughs> okay. So take us through what you were feeling in that moment and like what happened, like where did it take you just when you heard that news that, you know, that individual was going to move on and now no longer going to be at the org that you joined to work for them after only two months. 
Yeah. So I think it's it's probably a very common feeling um, for so many people, but I went through maybe all five stages of grief in 10 minutes. <laughs> there was anger, there was denial, there was crying, there was, I didn't cry in front of him, but it was kind of one of those full on moments of, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, right. And all five stages of grief in 10 minutes is the startup way to grief. I think we, because we accelerate everything, right? It's just, okay, if you're going to go through it, fine, just do it in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, compartmentalize, move on to the next process. We're good. Okay. So in minute 11, <laughs> tell us about what happened and how you overcame the, all those stages of grief and were like, uh, okay, uh, this is now a completely different environment than it was before. Yeah. So first task was to learn as much as I could from him about what information was he pushing up to the executive team? What were his plans? What were some of the things that he had put together or projects that he was going to be working on? So I I basically sat with him for as many hours he would give me in those last couple of weeks. And I said, give me everything that's in your brain. Start looping me into things. I want to make sure we're prepared to carry this team and this growth forward without stalling out as you're waiting for a new VP to be hired. So that was kind of front and center. But the other part was, and going back to a lot of the relationship building I'd learned over the years, was if I was going to be able to build this team correctly and create a place for ourselves, because we were a brand new team. The company didn't know what CSMs looked like at Lacework. So the next step was really to focus on building out relationships and getting buy-in on the processes that we were creating and the team that we were building. So I spent a lot of time meeting with sales and with product and with engineering, just understanding how we could help them and then showing them what we were doing and, and getting their buy-in that they should then help us when we're, we were coming asking for things and collaborating on things with them. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. What was the reception like for these other departments who had no clue what CS was or was going to be? Maybe they had some notion, maybe they've heard about it, but honestly didn't know what you were building when you came to the table and said, here's how we can help you. What was the response like? It was uh, sometimes skeptical, sometimes cautiously optimistic, and some people, I had the opportunity of seeing them jump right in. But I think especially in a startup environment and when you're moving at that kind of speed, everybody has a list of things that they aren't able to get to or they're worried about how it's going to get done or they're missing a connecting link between other parts of the company. And so by coming in and really putting CSMs at the center of that and showing how we can streamline communication, we can help you prioritize, we can help make sure that those upsells are coming through the door for you, people started to feel that and then it started to kind of a grassroots we should work with CS. We should start to talk to them more. We should start to build this out. Wow. That's really powerful. And and I love how you called out that some people <laughs> were a little bit skeptical because you come here saying, hey, I can help you solve these things. And they're like, wait, where did you come from? Who are you again? And whether you're CS or some other you know, part of the company, 
you're forming a new team, you're forming a new function, you're tackling a new problem. I think the same principle applies. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. So great piece of advice there. Just coming to the table, no matter what, when building relationships, asking, how can I help you? And knowing that everybody else has a long list of things that they cannot get done. That is the truth. <laughs> every, every leader I've ever talked to, nobody has a short list and said, nope, got everything covered, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so when someone comes knocking and says, how can I help you reduce that long list into something shorter or solve a strategic problem that's really important, poof, you're the first person they're going to think of, and that's a wonderful thing. Awesome. Just such good advice. Okay, so let's pick up from there. We had to drill down on that on that piece because that is such a common occurrence, I would say, but it also can be completely unsettling. And, you know, did it at any point before we move on at any point, did you, you know, consider throwing in the towel or just like this, this is no longer the right situation for me? Or were you just gung ho from a minute 11 on? So I think especially because I'd already started to hire, I already had a map for this is what we want to do. And this is what CS can bring. And I, I've been so passionate about customer success. And I actually wrote my thesis on it in my master's program. And I, I believe that CS can be such a powerful piece of any organization. And so I came in and I said, I've got a team that I believe in. I've got a path that I believe in. And I've got a company that I believe in. Let's do it. Again, as terrifying as it was, it was let me rely on it. Like there was so much of it that was collaborating with the people around me, the people on my team, my peers, the people above me. None of it could have gotten done if it wasn't for them because we were all learning, all growing along the way. And that team was building right alongside me and creating what is still in process today at Lacework. So it was really exciting. Yeah. Okay. So you wrote your thesis on CS in your master's program, which was in a Russian university. What was the title of your thesis? Let's start there. So it was Globalization Abroad, How Uber Localized Customer Success in Different Countries Around the World. Okay. Fascinating. I was wondering if it was it was specific to SaaS or specific to um, things, but in localization, I get it. Uh, that's Absolutely. Just interesting. Would have been fun to know what what the Russian environment in that institution thought of Uber and thought of a lot of these Western SaaS businesses, thought of customer success. Does that even, is it a concept that even exists in the form that we think about it? And that's really interesting. You were the only one, only American there bridging those two worlds. That's really cool. Really cool. It was amazing. And yet they're, they were not at a point when I was studying that customer success was even on the radar. When I started talking about it, they're like, go meet with our customer experience teacher. And she was much more focused on like the retail experience, which we connected with. But it was seeing it in the SaaS world and playing with that information there was just, it's such a, there's so much that can be done. It's such an open space right now that it's really where my passion has been. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, cool. All right, so you're building this team. And you eventually bring on Catalyst as a, uh, a vendor and you start using their platform. Tell us, how did you end up going from that team into Catalyst? It was a faster move than I ever expected. But I think what had happened was it was a culmination of several different pieces all at once. We had been building, growing super fast. And at about eight months in, we had a new VP of customer success hired, which we were all super excited about and waiting for. But... I had never had a chance to meet him in his interview process. And when he came in, he had his own vision of like 
here's how we do things, get on board or get out. Hold on, because there's a lot to unpack there. And I've certainly been in similar situations. I know a lot of our audience has as well. So you were the director of CS, right? Running the team, had built everything from the ground up because your VP predecessor had exited two months after you got there, which was basically the start. And then you weren't involved in the interview process. And then this individual came in and just like, sounds like just made a mandate that this is it. If you don't want to be part of this, leave. That was as as much as you got from that individual? That was about it for the several months we worked together. That's intense. That's intense. It was quite the adjustment, but I looked at it even then as a learning experience because these things happen, especially in startups. It's so much turnover. There's so many people changing roles and getting other opportunities. And I looked at it at first and I said, this is an opportunity for me to understand like how I can share with him our vision, how we can get on board together about how do we take this team to the next level? Because at that point, I was so invested in my team and their growth and the success of the business that I was going to do anything to make it work. Okay. Did he entertain that conversation? So he entertained it and then unfortunately dismissed it fairly quickly. So at that point, um, I was just really focused on, okay, I'll do what needs to get done, heads down, anything I can do to support the team, that's where I'm going to be. So I was in that kind of moment. And at the same time, I had done all of the evaluations of customer success platforms before he got there. He had signed off on bringing Catalyst and I spent my Christmas break that year implementing Catalyst for our team. I built out the whole instance. I was putting all of these processes that we'd been building out into the platform. I got my team's buy-in on, yes, this is how we want it. They were um, giving me feedback, suggestions on if we could do it this way, that way, building it all out. At the same time, I was also having the experience of working with CS for CS and being the CS nerd at heart that I am. The minute that they said that they were building the team here, I raised my hand and I said, I know this isn't usual, but I would really like to have a conversation about the opportunity. Wow. Okay. So there wasn't even a, they were building a team. Like that was as much context as you knew, aside from the platform and everything you did. And you raise your hand and you literally send an email to CEO perhaps and say, Hey, I would like to have a conversation about, you know, being, becoming part of your team. Is that as simple as it was? So it actually was even simpler than that. I was on the phone with the CSM for our team and she said, hey, we're looking for a manager. And I said, really? (laughs) And she connected me with our VP of CS here and it was catalyst from there. Wow. Okay. I mean, that just is uh, such a wonderful story when you think about how much you can go through in a job change or, or, um, you know, recruitment process and how sometimes it is a matter of a lot of things coming together, your background, your passion, their need, the timing, and sometimes it just works out in a simple conversation is all it takes. That's really wonderful. And that you raised your hand, right? It wasn't like, oh, well, maybe I hope they'll know what I do and come after me or ask me, you actually raised your hand and said, no, here's what I want. And they said, great, we'd love to have you come on board. I know they went through the whole process, but that's really such a great piece of advice on the just, you know, taking charge and saying, here's, this is something I really want to do, something I'm passionate about. And don't be afraid to ask. Sometimes you might get it. Yeah. The asking, 
that's something I tell my team all the time. I'm like, there's no question that you can ask that's not going to be worth the answer that you get on the other end, regardless of what it is. Wonderful, wonderful advice. Okay, so you joined the team at Catalyst, and now you are inside of an environment that believes 100% in customer success. You align vision to vision, I imagine. You're part of a thought leadership you know, group that where the gold standard is, is the level that you're trying to achieve. Describe for us, like, what does leadership of your team look like in this kind of environment, as opposed to some of the other environments you were in? Are we talking same things because you're managing a team of CSMs? Or do you look at things a little bit differently, given the stature and kind of the reputation in the industry? Really great question. So I think that there's a lot of foundational pieces from across the industry that we've been able to take in and help guide how and why we're building things, both in terms of what we've seen not work and what we've seen have work. But my profile of people has really shifted because I used to look to bring on people on my team that were highly specialized, super customer success focused, but knew a lot more about like the technical ins and outs of a specific type of industry and product. As I was coming into Catalyst, that shifted for me. What I was looking for was best-in-class CS people from any industry, anywhere in the country. And I said, I want the best people. I don't care what platform they're working on as long as it's SaaS and as long as they love customer success. And my reasoning behind it was really like, if we are actually going to build this team, it can't be from a single perspective. It has to be like a melding of the minds to really make sure we are having a robust and very fruitful conversation, feedback back and forth within the team as we are building this out. Wow, cool. So share with us a little bit about how you foster that. You've recruited this diverse team, lots of different perspectives, different experience, backgrounds, etc. How do you make sure that that you know, diverse perspective maintains? Because you all think about the same things every day, but how do you keep that uh, fresh on a regular weekly and monthly basis? Yeah. So we have several ways of trying to do that here. One of which is that we have a weekly meeting every week on the calendar where the agenda is not mine. It's not anyone in the management team. It's theirs. And the goal is for them to bring in things that are working really well for them, that they want to share with the rest of the team, things that they're struggling with to get input or to brainstorm, new process that we're rolling out that they have tried out and they are coming back and saying, this is working really well. This is what I've improved to make it work even better, or this is not landing. We need to revisit. And we've kept it a very open environment around, I want, I encourage them to bring those things to the table and to really talk about it. And that extends not only to our process, but to your earlier point of being CS for CS, having a higher pressure on it, we've had to create an environment where we address that, where we talk about the fact that they feel like they have to overextend and never say no because they're best in class. And so talking through the the stress that that has on them and the way that that's affecting their work-life balance. And I think it's really come down to us is that best in class means that they have a best in class work life, but a best in class home life, and that they're finding that balance regardless of what it is that we're doing here. Wow, that's cool. Powerful. And having an open agenda, as long as you know the expectation is set that this is for you, these are for all these various topics, just like you shared with us, incredibly powerful opportunity. Is that within the CS team itself or is that company-wide, that meeting? So that's just within the CSM team. Okay, 
Cool. So you're focused on, yeah, just things, but it's an open space to collaborate and to discuss and to share different perspectives every single week. Love that you have that on the calendar and probably, I imagine, learn some things in that meeting that you may not have been aware of or may not even have been thinking about. Is that right? Exactly. Like when I hired this team, I've told each and every one of them that has come in that one day I want to report to them. My goal is that they are managing me and I have so much to learn from them. So sitting in that environment, I can see where their strengths, their passions, their skill sets are, the things that they're bringing to the table. And then to kind of take that diversity of perspective out to the business, I'm then working with them on finding projects that are kind of cross department for them to go interact with and share their ideas and their passions with other teams as well. Wow. Cool. That sounds uh, like a very incredible environment that you've created. Wonderful. So last question here, Siobhan, let's say you were able to go back in time and sit down with yourself when you got into that first people leadership position at Fossil Wave that you told us about, but you know everything that you know now, have had the entire experience of all these different companies and cultures and your MBA and all that good stuff. And you could sit down with your younger self right before you got started with that group of 20 people and share some advice advice would you share with your younger self? I love that question. If I had to narrow it down, I think the key things that I've found that are really, really important over the years are keeping an open mind. There is never a right answer. There's always just answers. Being super flexible, being ready to learn from anyone and everything around you, and not being afraid to take that jump. Because taking the jumps, doing the things that you're most afraid of, have been the things that have led me into so many of the best opportunities in my career. Hmm. Wow. Awesome. Powerful advice. Well, Siobhan, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful expertise and experiences and wisdom and advice with us. We went all the way from retail to Russia to tech to back to Russia and grad school to uh, multiple companies to being dropped and left behind by uh, somebody we went to work for to building an incredible team that is diverse and empowering. And that was just a really fun trip. So thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. All right. Take care and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.